0: I'm Brother Colby. And I'm Brother Joel. You're listening to Echoes from the Bell Tower, stories of wit and wisdom from Benedictine monks who live, work, and pray in southern Indiana. If you just finished listening to our Echoes from the Bell Tower episode on the Triduum, you know how important Holy Week liturgies are in the life of monks. It's pretty
1: difficult I think for a monk not to have Holy Week and Easter right up there at the top of his list of favorite times.
2: This is Arch Kurt.
1: Again, there's just so much meaning and so much of the core of our faith is right there. We really do put kind of like every resource and every fiber of our being into the liturgy of Holy Week. And, uh, Again, they're so special, and we continue to do them each year that we sort of build up a, almost a personal repertoire of, of memories and, and practices.
0: Monks have a lot of different memories around the Triduum liturgies, and we're going to share a couple of those here in today's episode.
3: 59 years of celebrating the the vigil of the Lord's service here, and uh, after a while it becomes so familiar, it's... Um, it gets into your bones, I mean, you know, just, that's wonderful.
2: After celebrating so many Easter vigils at St. Meinrad, Father Coleman has a lot of unique memories going back to when Father Bonaventure was abbot in the 1950s.
3: Because liturgies are high, solemn events in which everybody is focused on something that is beyond the human, when the human shows up in all of its messiness, it's funny. <laughs> funnier than it would ever be. <laughs> David Bonaventure was an aggressive liturgist. He, all gestures were huge, and the Liturgy of the Blessing of the Waters was a, a very elaborate thing in which the Paschal candle was raised and lowered three times into the waters of the font, and oil was poured. And then there was a gesture of what was called dividing the waters. The presider would reach down into the font and th- move the waters in four directions, north, east, west, and south. Abbot Bonaventure was very enthusiastic about this this gesture, so he did all the other things, and then it was time to divide the waters. So he splashed north, east, west, and south over his shoulder, and hit two deacons right smack dab in the face. <laughs> they were standing there looking very solemn with water running down their faces. The only time we
0: baptized an infant was when Gabriel Verkamp was abbot. The baby happened to be
3: a niece of mine. So my brother and sister in law and the family were gathered, and Abbot Gabriel had a glaucoma, and a very difficult for him to see. So we went through the liturgy beautifully and got the baby baptized, and it was time to present the the candle of the representative of the baby's new life in the light of Christ. And Gabriel held the candle out at at arm's length and sort of waved it around, and he said in his German, you know, German accent, "So, who is the father?" <laughs> as if it was some unknown that we were trying to find out at that point.
2: Then there's that year when Father Gavin got second degree burns.
3: Brother Lawrence built a fire of enormous proportions out on the plaza of the church. Father Gavin was the master of ceremonies and uh, it was time to use a wax taper to get a start from the fire to light the Paschal candle and the fire was so huge and there was a wind blowing that every time he would get close to it with this wax taper it would it would just melt and so he was he was constrained to try to get closer to the fire in order to light the candle. And he made runs at it and he was holding cloth over his face and all the rest of that. Well, he ended up with second degree burns on his face and hands from trying to get the fire lit. After that, we went to rather more modest proportions of the fire.
0: A lot of memories include a live lamb. We used to get a very young lamb from one of the local farmers for the Easter vigil. Here are Brother John Mark, Father Thomas, and Father Coleman with memories of the lamb. We would always
2: get it on like Friday or something and we'd keep it in the courtyard and all night long you'd hear it (laughs) bleat. It sounded like a little child, like crying. Sometime during the Easter Vigil, right after the baptismal liturgy, right after the renewal of baptismal promises, the youngest members of the community, the newest members, the novices, would bring the lamb in, carried in a basket, and holding a little flag of victory that you see Christ carrying in some depictions of the resurrection. And this was a kind of joyful and light-hearted moment that
3: in a way broke some of the ultra-seriousness of, of the whole night. There were children, the children all came to the aisles in order to be able to see the lamb coming up. And it was a great moment for the kids. The thing that everybody wanted was for the lamb to bleat. On the years when we had a particularly reticent lamb everything was done in order to try to get the lamb to bleat. Uh, they'd throw water on it, uh, you know, sprinkle them vigorously with the holy water. The years when we had a very vocal lamb were the best years, particularly if it would bleat exactly on cue when the abbot sang. <laughs> Every time the abbot would open his mouth in song, the lamb would bleat. That was the glorious moment.
2: One time it jumped out of the basket, even though we had kind of tied up its its feet, you know, to keep it still. It's, it wrangled its way out and then jumped out of the basket. And we had to sort of, <laughs> during the Easter vigil, catch the lamb. And poor thing was frightened, and it, it relieved itself on the floor. <laughs> and it was a real mess during the Easter liturgy. So... Um, so we decided perhaps it's best to, to not do the lamb anymore. But that was a real age-old tradition. I was sad to see it go. Abbot Kurt's memories revolve around some of the most moving moments of the liturgies, seeing tears in people's eyes while washing their feet, and also how people react to the cross on Good Friday.
1: As part of the Good Friday service, we have a cross that must be oh, eight feet tall by eight feet wide seven feet wide. But during the rite, there's a chance when when everyone in church comes up two by two to venerate the cross, either with a touch or a kiss or a small embrace. And it's just, it's without feeling like you're a spy or an intruder, it's just very touching to watch how different people react to that cross and make their sign of reverence. And we're talking about You know, people who hobble up on a pair of crutches or talking about uh, three-year-old kids who are carried by their parents, talking about every age in between. And everybody just, you know, uh, it's just interesting to see different people's different ways of expressing their their love and their
0: affection and their appreciation. There's also the year a catch joined us for the Easter Vigil. Father Gavin died in 2017, but he was often called the voice of St. Meinrad because he had such a wonderful speaking voice. For the last 10 years of his life, he was always assigned to one of the readings during the vigil. Here's Arch-Abbot Kurt with the rest of the tale. The last time he
1: did it was um, in 2016 and he had the reading the creation of the world and he got the biggest kick out of this as as well as the rest of us just as he was talking about the uh, creeping things that god created from the earth a black cat wandered into church and walked right in front of him and kind of give him the most curious quizzical look you could imagine and uh Gavin smiled, and if you were listening, you could tell that his, the whole you know timber of his voice changed because he was, kind of dealing, struggling with a little bit of a laugh there. But it was just a, it's kind of one of those perfect timings, uh, perfect coincidences, one of those neat things
0: when when the secular really does kind of come into the sacred. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our episode today of Triduum Memories. If you missed our full episode last week about the Triduum, you should go back and give it a listen. It's episode 26 in iTunes, or you can find it at saintminard.edu/echoes.
2: Our editor and producer is Krista Hall. This episode came together with the help of Mary Jean Shoemaker, Tammy Sheeter, Jim Paquette, Christian Mozek, Brother Joel Blaze, and me, Brother Colby Wolnikowski. Brother Joel wrote and produced the music you heard in this episode.
0: Thank you again to Archbishop Kurt Stasiak, Father Coleman Grabert, Father Thomas Grikowski, Brother John Mark Falkenhayn, Father Pedro Fonseca, Mary Lawrence Melvin, and Julie Wilberding. If you're enjoying our podcast, share it with a friend. You can also tell us what you
2: think by leaving a review in iTunes. We will be back in a couple months with more stories of wit and wisdom.
0: there's this protestant college they bring a group up here every year uh, a few times a year and and here they were here on good friday they remembered the time i went to venerate the cross and smacked my head on it <laughs> <laughs>